Welcome to the Soda Baptist Church podcast. This message is part of the teaching ministry of Soda Baptist Church in Livingston, Texas. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged to grow closer in your walk with Christ through this message. We invite you to check out our website at www.sodabaptist.org for more information about our church. I've entitled my message this morning, When God's Not Done. When God's Not Done. We look in our lives and in different situations and circumstances, and we, we think sometimes that the things, the things that are taking place in life, it's, it's like, well, there's nothing that can overcome this situation. My, this situation has ruined everything in my future. And, and uh, I was talking to a gentleman the other day, and he had made some decisions in his life, and and uh, I, I met him at one of these lunchings, and as a young teenage boy, he got off in the wrong crowd, and he was uh, going places and meeting people and uh, developed some habits that he, he uh, didn't want to, well, he at the time, he enjoyed. And one of the things he done, he, he began to put tattoos on his body, and I, I guess he, he just didn't know when to quit. When you meet him in public, listen, he's got tattoos all over his face, all over his neck. I mean, the front of his face. And, you know, and you would think he spent some time in prison and, and made some decisions that pretty much, well, you know, when we as individuals might see him in public, we'd go, you know, he's blew it. It's all over. There's nothing going to change the direction that he's going in life. But let me tell you, God's got different plans. It's kind of what where I developed this message, meeting him and talking to him about his testimony. When God's not done, listen, it doesn't matter where you've at, the decisions you've made over your life, I want you to know when God's done, that's when God's done. All right? When God's done, that's when he's done. Sometimes we think, we think sometimes God is done or it's done for us, but when it's not done until God's through. So what we're going to look at this morning, and this, this, this event in Joseph's life is what I'm going to share with you. You know what I like to do. I like to lay, kind of lay a foundation of the, the direction that I want to go with this message, and then towards the end we'll kind of put it all together and so we can use it in 2016 and something that we can apply to our lives. So I want us to begin Genesis chapter 37, and we're going to begin in verse number 3. And uh, just to make sure we understand what's taking place, the first two words is now Israel. It's not talking about the nation of Israel. This man's name at one time was named Jacob. His name was Jacob, and God changed his name to Israel. Understand that when we're reading this scripture right here, Israel, the man, has 12 sons. This is the see X, X and 2. That's 12. Roman numerals. He has 12 sons. All right? So when we begin to read this, you're going to understand that these are sons that are that he's going to be discussing these. So I just want you to know this is a man. He's got 12 sons. And it says here, Now Israel, the man Israel, loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. It, or Joseph is... The eleventh son. 
He has one more after him. His name is Benjamin, but, but Joseph is the eleventh son that was born unto him. Verse number 4, And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all of his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably about him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told his brothers, and they hated him yet the more. This is the dream that he, he dreamed. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obstinates to my sheaf. In other words, they bowed down to Now look, he says, Hey, this is the dream I had, brothers. That we were all out in the field and we all had these sheaves and the sheaves is where they take and, and they pile grass up and they, that's, it's the food for the, the cattle and stuff. And we piled up all of these sheaves and my sheaves stood up. And all of y'all sheaves came and bowed down to my sheaf. Now how do you think this makes those brothers that already hate him feel? All right? Oh, yeah. And then verse number 8, And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream, and went and told his brothers, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And I behold the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obstinates to me or bowed down to me. And he told it to his father and his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brothers indeed come and bow down ourselves to thee on the earth? And his brothers envied him, but his father observed the saying. And his brother went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. Now, before we get to this next little passage you hear, you know, I, I, I'm kind of thinking here that the daddy probably wishes Joseph would just keep his mouth shut about these dreams. Don't you think? I, I mean, he's already had one now. His brothers are all mad at him. They already hated him to begin with because daddy has showed uh, preference to him, made him a coat of many colors, showing that he had a preference towards him to begin with. And now he dreams this dream, and he says, Hey, brothers, guess what? I, man, can't you wait to hear my new dream? The sun and the moon and the eleven stars bowed down to me. Uh, I can just imagine this is not going well. Now listen to this. Listen to this. And his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. I wonder why old Joseph didn't have to go. Daddy's little pet. And Israel, the daddy, said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send unto thee them. And he said to him, Here I am. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he went him out of the vale uh, of Hebron, and he came into Shechem. Do you know what this is like? This is like when Mama used to tell me to go and clean my bedroom, and then she would send my little sister in there to check to see if I was cleaning my bedroom. I got in a lot of trouble one time because when my sister came to check on me whether or not I was cleaning my bedroom, and she said, Mama told you you're supposed to be cleaning the bedroom, and you're not doing it. I'm going to go tell on you. I 
slapped her one time. And I got in even bigger trouble. Well, here, here Joseph gets to stay home, and he sent out all the brothers to watch the flock, and Daddy says, Joseph, I want you to go check on your brothers, and you come back and you tell me what kind of a job they're doing. Now, what do you think is going to happen here? I mean, it's almost just played out for you. Look, skip on down to, to verse number 18, and look what it says there. And it says, And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and, and we will say some evil beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of this dreamer. These guys had a plan. These brothers had a scheme to put their little brother to death. But wait a minute. I thought God had already given him a dream back here that he was one day going to have his brothers and his mom and daddy bow down to him. Somebody's wrong here. Either the brothers are wrong or God is wrong. You tell me who's wrong. Uh, the brothers don't know what's going on here. But they schemed now to... They saw him coming, and if you read those next couple of verses, what you're going to see, they kill a goat, and they wrap his coat of many colors in it, and they put the blood on it, and they wind up sending it home to Daddy and say, Hey, some wild animal killed your favorite son. But now one of the brothers says, Hey, it's not good for us to kill him. You keep reading what they wind up doing. They wind up throwing him into a pit. Look in verse number 27. After they got him in this pit, it says, Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let us not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother in our flesh, and his brother brothers were in consent. In other words, they would have rather killed him, but they kind of had a little bit of a conscience. They said, Nah, that's probably not to our benefit to kill him, but we are going to throw him in this pit, and we are going to sell him to the Ishmaelites. I encourage you. This is, this is in chapter 38. I encourage you to continue reading, because I'm not going to read much more of this, uh, but I encourage you to go this afternoon and read the rest of the story of Joseph. I'm going to just tell you what takes place. All right? So Joseph gets sold to this Ishmaelite slave traders. They take him to the city in Egypt, and they wind up selling him to a man named Potiphar. While he is now in Potiphar's care... I want you to know the Bible says that even though God has got a dream that He sent to him and told him what he was going to be, while he is at Potiphar's, he is sold to him as a slave. The Bible says, but while he was sold to him as a slave, God was with him. And Potiphar recognized, he says, man, everything, everything this guy touches turns to gold. Man, everything, something is different about this man named Joseph. So everything that Joseph was doing, I mean, was prospering, and he could see that. Well, the old enemy had a hand in on this, and the enemy says uh, the wife of Potiphar decided that he, she wanted to have a good time with him. You can go read the Scriptures. Joseph, being a man of God, rejects the, the advances of Potiphar's wife. Potiphar, in saving her pride or self-esteem, or whatever, accuses Joseph of trying to rape her. Potiphar does only the only thing he knows to do, and he has him arrested, and he's thrown into prison. 
Wait a minute. I thought Joseph had a dream back there that said he's going to be king one day. How can Joseph's dream come true? He's a prisoner. Falsely accused and now he's in prison. It's impossible for this dream now to come true. It's impossible. We see then that David, and you read this this event of how David spends his time in prison, and even after he is put in prison, the head guard over the prison realizes that God is with uh, Joseph, and as he is in prison, he puts Joseph over charge of some of the prisoners because God is with him. God's not done yet. God's not done. He spends 17 years in prison. 17 years. And the king has a dream. And he interprets this dream for the king. And before you know it, after 17 years of being falsely accused and put in prison, Joseph becomes second in the kingdom of Egypt. All right? Now, I'm still just laying a foundation. I'm still laying a foundation here. I want you to turn now to to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. And I want you to see one word in the Scripture that changes everything. Let me tell you, this one word changes everything. Now before we read this scripture, let me get you let me set you up where we're at here before we read this scripture. Because Joseph becomes second in the kingdom, there's a famine that takes place. His brothers now come to Egypt to gather food. Long story short, Joseph introduces himself back to his brothers. And they had no idea that it was Joseph. They make a reunion. You need to, you need to read this. It's good stuff now. They get, they, they get reunited. As a result, Joseph has his whole family now moved over to Egypt. And all of their needs are being met. And Joseph's daddy dies. And we were reading over here, his name was Israel. His original name was Jacob. And God changed his name to Israel. His daddy dies. Now, what do you think these brothers are thinking now that daddy is out of the way? What do you think they're thinking? He is fixing to take revenge on them for what they done when he was just a young boy, when they ripped his coat off of him and they, they soaked it in blood and sent it back to daddy and lied about this and when they sold him over to these Ishmaelites so that he might become a slave. And I can imagine, he says, if my brothers hadn't have done that, I'd have never been put in prison. If my brothers hadn't have done this, this would have never happened. If my brothers hadn't have done this, would this would have never happened. Let's look at this scripture in Genesis chapter 50 and verse number 18. And his brethren also went and they fell down before his face, talking about Joseph's. 
And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, you thought evil against me. Look at this word that changes everything. But God. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. I am not very good in English. As a matter of fact, I almost didn't make it to high school because of my 8th grade year in English. I spent lots of time that summer reading the Reader's Digest because that's what my mom made me do to increase my English skills. I had no idea, had I not studied for this message, I had no idea whether the word but was a noun, a verb, a preposition, or a conjunction. How many of you was raised on Schoolhouse Rock? No way! Four? Five? On Saturday mornings, they tried to teach little kids English. I learned more on Saturday morning watching cartoons than I did with Miss Swore in English class. Because there was a little song that went like this. It says, Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? How many of you remember that? Oh, that's a little better. Let me tell you what the word... The word but is a conjunction. The word but is a conjunction. Do you know how you can interpret the word but in this scripture right here? Listen, guys, you sold me into slavery. And when that word but is put in there, it said right there, it says, but God's not done. He's saying right there, he says, when you throwed me into slavery, you need to understand it was not yet finished. It's not finished yet. God's not done with this situation. And I want you to know the word but changes everything. The word but changes everything. That means the story is not over. Look in Acts chapter 13. My goodness. This is so powerful. Look in Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13, Paul goes to this city. He goes to the city of Antioch and he is talking to them in the synagogue and he's he's talking to the Jews and the Gentiles and he is telling me all the things that have taken place in, in Jerusalem and he's telling them about Jesus. Look in verse number 26. Man, look what he says here. He says, Men and brethren... Children of the stock of Abraham, talking to the Jews. And whosoever among you feareth God, that's talking about to the Gentiles, to you is the word of salvation sent. Now he's fixing to tell them what just happened. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, talking about Jesus, they didn't know who Jesus was, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. In other words, Look what this says. He says, listen guys, 
You Jews that went to the synagogue every single week and read the scriptures talking about the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the one that was to come, says you didn't understand the scriptures. Because what you've done is when Jesus Christ came, you condemned him to death. You didn't recognize him. But in you doing that, you were fulfilling the scriptures. Look what verse 28 says. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. They knew where they couldn't find anything wrong with Jesus. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and they laid him in the sepulcher and the end took place. That was the end. It's all over. Why? Because what's the next word? In other words, the story's not over. Hey, listen, guys, I'm telling you. He says, I'm talking to you Jews and I'm talking to you Gentiles. Listen, this is what happened in Jerusalem. These guys brought him here. They were expecting something and Jesus was not it. So they put him to death. That very next scripture changes everything. Because the next word says, But God raised him from the dead. But God raised him from the dead. You're going to see on the screen, there's going to be some scriptures, some reference scriptures that are up there. And I'm going to just hurriedly go through some of those. In 1 Samuel, you're going to see where David is running from the king, King Saul. King Saul has just an unlimited army to his uh, uh, available to him to try to find David, and he is trying to put him to death. But it says there, but God delivered him. The end of the story was that Saul was going to kill David. But there's a word in that scripture that says, but God changed the whole story. In Acts chapter 10, the same thing, it's, it is talking about how the Jews were keeping company with another nation. It says, But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common and unclean. In this scripture, this is what he was talking about. Peter went to a Gentile's house, and as far as Peter was concerned, he was not supposed to preach to anybody but the Jews. That's what he said. But he says, But it has been revealed to me that God is not a respecter of any person's. It is now open to anyone and all. It says, but God changed the whole story. Changed everything. When we read the story about, and I was talking about this last week, when we was reading the story about Elijah, and Elijah is stuck down here on a creek, and there's no water and there's no bread, but it says, but God provided food from a raven, and God provided a meal from the widow woman that was running out of oil and meal, and he kept providing her, but God changed the whole story. When David went and stood before Goliath, this nine foot nine giant, but God intervened. But God, I can go back to the gentleman that I was talking with at Goodrich, First Baptist Church in Goodrich, and he just in his life he's made decisions after decisions that were impossible to overcome. But God intervened into his life. King Hezekiah had been given a death sentence by God through the apostle, uh, the prophet Isaiah, 
And because of prayer, he goes in and he says, uh, Isaiah's walking across the courtyard, and God says, uh, uh, go tell uh, King Hezekiah, I'll extend his life 15 years. Okay. What happened there? But God, but God, I want you to know, the story is not over. The story is not over when God is in charge. Romans 3 and verse 23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. Any sinners in here? The Bible tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, let's throw in the towel. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I, I didn't finish that other verse, did I? For the wages of sin is death, but changes everything. Changes everything. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We look through Scripture. I love what it says about Scripture. Luke, Luke chapter 1, verse 36, it's talking about Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. She was in, a, she was in her old age, and it's come to find out that she became pregnant. And in that scripture it says, For with God, nothing is impossible. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 27, And he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Psalm 73, and it says, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. But God. But God. Now let me end this way this morning. Have you made decisions? Have we made decisions in our life that we just say we can't overcome? Have we walked down a path in our life that we think has taken us to a place that we cannot turn back around? Is there something going on in our life that we see, well, this is the end? I'm sure Joseph thought when he went into prison, he said, I, I, you know what? I bet he second-guessed his dreams. Well... You know, maybe, maybe, maybe I didn't dream that just exactly right. But when he considered God, he realized nothing is impossible with God. I want to ask the question this morning. Where are we today in life? Where are we? I, I want you to know. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ putting a butt in my life, when I was nine years old, I was one of the biggest little thieves in Central Elementary School. But God. But God. When I was in the service, and it seemed like there was, man, there, and there wasn't, there wasn't any sound churches anywhere around us, and, and we began to fall out, and our relationship with God kind of, kind of waned away a little bit. If it hadn't have been for God later in my life saying, hey, and said, Wayne, I'm not done with you yet. And give me that second chance and that third chance and that fourth chance. And that's where I'm asking this morning, where are you at in your 
chances. I want you to know God is willing and ready for you to come back and have that restored relationship. But God, God is not done with us. We was to go to the Gospels, we can read event after event after event after event in the Scriptures. No Barnabas. I want you to know Barnabas used to sit on a, a street corner and he begged for money every day until he came to Jesus. And when Jesus entered into his life, he changed everything. He never... Is Barnabas right? Barabbas. No, it... Bartimaeus, thank you very much. I, I, I knew that wasn't the right name. Blind Bartimaeus. Hey, let me tell you something. When that, and I hate to use it, I hate to say it that way. When that butt came into his life, he never went back to that corner and begged again. Do you know that? When, when the lady that had, that had the disease for 12 years, when she came up and she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she never went back to a doctor again. When the old lame man was lowered down through the roof and he was put in the floor and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you, he never had anybody else carry him around on a pallet again. Life-changing. And only God can do it. Jesus Christ came. And he died on the cross for the sins of every single person in this room and the sins of everyone that has ever lived in this world. He died on the cross for those sins. And not only did He die, but when they put Him to death, or when He gave His life, three days later He rose again and He overcame death. He overcame sin. And He offers that to us today as a free gift. Do not. Reject what Jesus Christ has for you this morning. It's life-changing. God is not done with you today. Let's stand together.